you getting all kind of weird like I mean I've been listen- I've been hearing that all night I just got that now like weird like crazy sounds that are oh no it just sounds like background you don't get that static I'm, I'm getting like no I'm not getting that this is good this is good banter I like this <laughs> oh, confuse everybody hey welcome to the encounter mercy podcast so I I hear you got to enjoy warmer weather. Yeah, I just got back from Florida. Lucky. Yeah, we uh, we were down there for a week. Um, real nice, real nice. Seventy degrees, like mid seventies. Man, cold enough for the Floridians. I think that's how you pronounce them. Floridians. Floridians. There you go. To be wearing their parkas and their, <laughs> uh, and uh, the funniest thing I saw, we, we went to Disney for one day, and. We get out of the car. It's probably mid-60s. It's like 9 in the morning. Yeah. So it's going to get warmer throughout the day. But it's beautiful for us. Oh, yeah. We're in shorts and T-shirts, and I see this lady walking in the parking lot. It was a group of people, all with parkas on. Oh, my gosh. The one woman had earmuffs on. It was great. (laughs) It was great. You're thinking, what part of the country have I just walked into? (laughs) What is this? So no, it was it was a fun time. Amelia, my daughter, and my son actually, they both got to see the ocean for the first time. Nice. Um, so we we had a lot of fun. You got to see Disney princesses. Isn't that just wonderful? Yeah, it made your day. I'm got sure. To wait in line to see Disney princesses. Woo. Yeah, uh, we did it for the kids. I, of course. I, honestly, I I cannot stand to go to uh, like amusement parks. I don't like rides. I'm not. It's not a thing for me. It's not something I'm really into. Uh, so you know, we spent all that money. To, for the kids. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So wait in lines. I mean, for- if I could go to an amusement park, it'd be Cedar Point. It wouldn't be Disney. But we went to Disney years ago when my brother and I were younger. I, I don't know. It was too much. Yeah. We went to Magic Kingdom. Apparently, there's a couple other parks. I don't know anything about this. In fact, everyone at work was asking me, hey, what park are you going to You know, before we went down? And I'm like, I don't know. We're going to Disney. <laughs> Well, you know, what, well, which park? I don't know. The one with the castle and the princesses. Oh, Magic Kingdom. Oh, Okay. So I heard like Epcot's better, like has the different yeah. like countries and stuff. That's I'd like a fun to go there. one to go like, to. That remind, that, it sounds like it'd be like Bush Gardens. I don't know if you've ever been to Bush Gardens. No, I, I but I've heard a lot but, about it. Yeah. And in Virginia, that's, that's the only amusement park that I've ever been to that I actually enjoyed. And because I'm not a big ride person, like I'll ride rides. I don't care. But I don't, that's the thing. I don't care. Like I don't, don't want to wait in line for 30 seconds of woohoo. Like it's just not my thing. I hate waiting in lines. I don't have the, the patience. I guess my inner, uh, I don't know, my inner, uh, I, I, I'm just spilling too much, I think. But um, yeah, so maybe next time we'll do Epcot or something like that next time we go down. But It is fun. I mean, I enjoyed the different things in Epcot, um, more of an educational experience, I guess you could say. But um, that was years ago. My and, gosh. and don't get me wrong. Like, I loved the, our vacation down there was great. You know, we, like I said, we did that. We went to the beach. We went to the Brevard, I think Brevard County Zoo. It's in Melbourne, Melbourne, Florida. That was that was really fun. Amelia got to feed giraffes. Oh, that's fun. And touch the giraffes. So that was cool. And then she fed some birds. Birds were landing all around. It felt like a a movie I've seen. Have you seen the birds? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. what it was like. They yeah. send you in with this cup of like this sugar water and food. And they just attack you. And they attack you. <laughs> my dad got bit on the hand and bled. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Well, it was, I got some really cool pictures out of it. But uh, at his yeah. expense, yeah, I that's perfect. Wait, that's I awesome. We couldn't wait to get out of, <laughs> out of there. Felt like we were gonna die. 
we made it though. That was well, that's good. good. Well, and you got to enjoy the weather. You know. Oh, it was fantastic. I can't wait till till spring oh, when it warms up. Here. I, I'm I'm done with the snow. I am so done with the snow. And you know what? The whole time I was down there, no congestion, nothing like that. Literally, get back up today. Today's my first full day back. Yep. I feel congested. There's something about Erie. Oh, there really is. Terrible. Like there's there's some mold or mildew or something that's growing in just in Erie. Well, so whenever I, my daughter used to have like bad allergies. Which yeah. Her first year of her life. Yeah. And so, and my son still does. Yeah. Real bad. Like he has ear infections on a monthly basis. Yeah. Uh, now he's got tubes, so it's not so much a big big deal now. But our our primary care physician was saying that. Uh, Erie is one of the worst places in the world to live in if you have allergies. Oh, I can attest to that. Because everything, I guess, how the winds blow from sure. you know, whatever direction, things just kind of hang out in the atmosphere here. And you literally just, you kind of get everything. And uh, it, yeah, I, I believe it now after having two kids that have gone through it. And now myself, yeah. from all, when I, was, I lived in Pittsburgh my whole life. Right. Never had issues right. once until I moved up here. Every fall and every spring, I start having like breathing issues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what as soon as the weather starts changing, welcome to the club. And then all winter long, I'm like, just because congestion yeah. is driving me nuts. Welcome anyway. to the club. I mean, that's I that's how my life was too. So, but yeah, yeah. Hey, it's good but to have you. For back, the record, though. I had a great time of it. My vacation. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not knocking it at all. It was. It was. It was wonderful. I wish I could go back. Can't wait to go back. Just not in the summer. I'm not a Florida person no, in the summer. It's just too not hot, my thing. Too hot. I don't know how they do it down there. But it's important that, you know, you get that time away. because It's good for your mental health. Yeah. What a, what a great uh, segue there. You liked it? I thought that was pretty smooth. I, I, that's kind of what I was We kind of worked for. off each yeah. other there. It was yeah. good. We didn't even plan that. No, but I figured that's where we were going. Because mental health, what, a, what an important topic. And one that I think, you know... Coming from someone who um, has dealt with depression and anxiety, um, you know, I think it's important that we talk about this and bring it out into the open and oh, not hide around it. Absolutely, and you know, you know, you mentioned depression and anxiety, but mental health comes in many forms. Yeah, you know, those those are probably the top two that you think of when sure. you think of mental health. Sure, but you know, let's there's addiction you can throw yeah. under there. That's that's mental health, OCD, PTSD. Uh, and then that's just to name a few. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot more. Um, I, I forget what website it was. It was, it was a government website. It was a dot gov website I was on. Yeah. Uh, but I found that, uh, nearly one in five adults in the United States suffers with some sort of mental illness, but you look around at society and there's still this huge stigma yeah. towards it. Yeah. One in five adults. And yet there's this stigma and people think they're crazy. Yeah. So, so well, it's not just in the United States too that there's a stigma, and that's what really gets me is that there's a stigma in the priesthood, there's a stigma in the church about mental illness. If you if you show any signs of mental illness, that you're just not fit. You're not fit, and and that's a shame. So we're here today to help get rid of that stigma towards mental health issues, or at so, least try to make that step. Yeah, we'll we'll make the step if no, since no one else around us is doing it, we're stepping in. Right? Someone Father has Andy? to. Someone has to. That's right. So, um. I think one of the best examples of this whole situation um, to speak to this, and thank God for him, is Bishop Conley. So Bishop Conley is the Bishop of Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, And recently, you probably heard, and uh, our listeners probably have heard, that he is stepping down for um, a time so that he can take a leave of absence for medical and psychological treatment and to get some rest. And I think that's important that we pay attention to that because um, here's a man who's in charge of a diocese 
And he says right here, I've been medically diagnosed with depression and anxiety along with chronic insomnia and debilitating tinnitus, which is that constant ringing of the ears. So the fact that he's, first off, acknowledging that there's a problem and it's not just, you know, something in his head, it's a physical problem. It's showing itself physically that you have to address these situations. Yeah, I've never heard of a priest bishop anybody doing this before so this is good yeah because it at least gets it out there that it calls it it brings attention to it because i think one thing that people fail to recognize on a constant basis is priests are people too yeah and you you guys suffer from the same things that we do you get to enjoy some of the same things we do not yeah. like you know except from marriage and and things like that but uh, you suffer from all the same things that we do. And so yeah. there are priests who are addicted to things. Yes. There are priests who have depression. There yeah. are priests who have gambling problems. There are, you know, just like everybody else. And th- this is great. This is really good. So let's pray for Bishop Conley. Yes, absolutely. And let's pray that the church recognizes that this is a thing amongst its priests. And let's do something to help them and to support them and to provide the resources that they need. Oftentimes when we, when we hear about a priest going away from mental health issues, it's almost like, Oh, you know, you hear about father so-and-so. Oh, oh he got sent oh, away. He's being sent away because he's, he's depressed or right. he's sad. Right. And, and really that's, that's not a good way to look at it. No, no not Especially, at all. I mean, okay, there's a lot that we have to be sad about, you know, in our church, we have a lot that we have a lot. Oh, there's a lot of things that can, causes someone to become depressed. You know, you look at the state of the church, especially here in our part of the world, in the Rust Belt, it's it's a part of the world that is thinning in the faith. And um, in, rea- in general, in our reality, you see that there are people that are stepping away from the church more and more, becoming more secular. Um, you have the whole priest abuse scandal. There's a lot that you can be depressed about. And so, you know, to just continue the stigma of, oh, look at that horrible person. Oh, he's, he's being sent away. Oh, oh we got to be careful about him. Well, you know, that's, that's not helping at all someone who might be dealing with depression or no, anxiety or OCD or any of those situations that this is um, affecting, you know. So it's good to see that a bishop is going to take some time away, that he's being supported by other bishops and that he is um, going to be able to spend some time with his brother bishops to reinvigorate himself, get him the help that he needs, get him the strength that he needs. So I, I applaud him, and I'm grateful, and I thank Bishop Conley. If he ever were to hear this, you know, thank God for him for making this statement because, you know, for someone on quote unquote, the inside of the church, you know, it's, it's good to see that there is support for this and it's not just people making fun of it. Yeah. No, like, it's good. I mean, having a priest, there, there was a priest that I know that said, oh boy, great. N- another priest with, um, on meds. We don't need another priest on meds. I mean, that kind of hurts. Like that kind of hurts. That's like saying we don't need another secretary or engineer or marketing person on meds. Like, yeah. What, what does that have to do with the, what you know, it, right. What does it have to do with the job description? Yeah. What does it have to do with what you do? And let's, I mean, um, 
I want to get to the the priest who recently yeah. committed suicide. But yeah. but where I'm going with this is, you know, look at all the canonized saints yeah. that the church has who suffered with mental illness. There's there's so many of them. I right. I started looking to try to list a few, and it's like there are you'd be on it forever, probably over a hundred. Yeah. Um. But we'll we'll we're gonna put a, a link in the in yeah. the show notes, uh, to to be able to check some of these out. But it, it's not it's not just an isolated case, and it doesn't make someone, um, a, a, like a leper because of you know mental illness. Oh, we can't go near that person. We're going to catch what they got. Well, no, that's that's not how it works. It's not how it works. And um I think one of the most important things you can do is to support Yeah, well someone. hold on, but yet we treat them like that. Oh, absolutely. There are people who would rather go see the leper or and yeah. and help them than to help the person with mental illness. Yeah. It's almost it, it's it's weird. I don't get it. Maybe they don't want to hear maybe they look at it as whining. They don't want to hear right. it. And, right. and I get that. I do from, you know, there's, I don't talk to people about, um, I've never been diagnosed with this whatsoever, but I feel that I have PTSD, a mild form of it. Sure. Uh, from the stuff that I've seen, you know, in the EMS and the fire service. And I, I've literally never really talked to anybody but my wife about it. But, you know, I, there was a lot of other people around that that have that, that I know. And I know that whenever they start talking about it, people just check out because oh, yeah. this is the guy that's just whining about, especially when you're in like, fire and EMS. Cause you gotta be, you gotta be a badass, right? You gotta be, you, you can't let that get to you. And as soon as you start breaking down because, uh, because of that kid that lot got lost and that got, that died in the fire right? or the kid who, who died in the car accident got thrown and right. is dismembered. Uh, as soon as like that starts to haunt you, and you bring it up, it's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Put put that back inside you. Right. It's not supposed to be coming out. Right. And, you know, having lived with that for, for many years, I don't talk about it just because of that. Sure. You know, if had I gone into whenever I was first started in the service, had they said, Hey, if you if you need to talk to somebody, and and they kinda did, but it was never really serious. No. Uh, no one really asked how you're doing or how there was never a debrief on some of those real bad ones. And and so I, I just never kind of brought things up because you got to keep it inside. Otherwise people are going to look at you funny. Right. Right. And that drives me crazy. Oh yeah. And I know it drives you crazy. And you know, that's, that's where we need to start to refocus and retrain ourselves that it's okay to reach out. Yeah. And it's okay Absolutely. to talk about where you're struggling. And I think that really connects back to our recent episode on brotherhood. You know, we've been talking a lot about brotherhood in the past few weeks, but the fact that we are, in need of that relationship where we can be truly ourselves and to let down the barriers so that there can be healing, right? The only way you can heal a wound, and you know this from uh, dealing with EMS and things like that, the only way you can truly heal a wound is if it is brought to the light. But if you hide a a wound, if you let it fester and you pretend it's not there, it's just going to get worse. And so the only way that you're going to be able to be, uh, you know, take that next step and make something um, better for your life is to acknowledge it. You know, first acknowledging that you've got a problem or that there is something about your life that isn't the right, isn't right. And then taking that next step to figure out what that is. I think that kind of leads into um, the article we were reading about um, that priest who sadly committed suicide recently. And um, I mean, that's, you know, when I first saw that article, my heart just 
Ugh. Like it, I, know, I, I saw it from your post on Facebook. Yeah. That's the first time I saw it. And it's, you know, as soon as I, I didn't even have to click into the article and yeah. I'm like sad. Yeah. Like this is the first time I've ever heard of this happening. Yeah. In, in my lifetime. Yeah. Anyway, I, I but uh, yeah, it, it kind of shook me. Yeah. It, and, it, you know, I'm not a priest and I don't know everything he was going through and all these things, but, you know, I, I've seen mental illness. I've se- Except this is a different one. This is different. He didn't have depression. Well, no, and that's just it. And I think that's in one way, and I know this this might sound really like crass, but in one way, it's a good thing. But in another way, I mean, it's just a horrible, horrible situation no matter what. And uh, as I said in my Facebook post and on Twitter, you know, my heart goes out to him and his family. I, I, uh, 34 years old, you know, that's that's, uh, right around the age that my brother is. Just imagining me as a priest and then my parents who have to deal with that, you know, that I, so my heart goes out to him, his family and his parish, you know, even I'm sure I know there are hundreds and hundreds of people that loved him in his parish because there are hundreds and hundreds of people that love me in my parish and I'm just grateful for them. So uh, to them, to everyone in that situation, I just, my heart goes out to them. I'm praying for them. Uh, I love them all very much. And, um, know that I support them if they need anything. But in the same breath, this this whole situation, it all is because of medication. And I know we just talked about like that stigma against medication because so what, I'm on antidepressants and it makes all the levels that much better. But for him, this poor guy, poor, poor kid was taking medication because of stomach issues. And um, then after that, it was starting to, couple with extreme anxiety and then he was given another pill to deal with that so there's a whole mess of problems here um and it's it's really sad it's very very sad um because there was no notice really of it right and that's the scary part of it yeah is you can go your whole life without having you could be one of the four and five people with no no mental illness whatsoever yeah and you have a medical problem yeah, and the doctor gives you some pills and and the side effects cause severe anxiety to the point where this happens. And so I I don't know what he was on, but I I hope I never have to take it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, someone who's uh, as someone who suffers with at times extreme anxiety, I mean, the worst feeling you can have with uh, extreme anxiety is you wake up in the morning and you don't want to get out of bed because you're terrified of what's going to happen that day. And I mean, that's happened a few times in my life. And I, I know that's happened in uh, some people that I've talked to about this, that it has, that is a true thing and it can be debilitating. It can be really debilitating. So I can't even imagine what he had been going through with the fact that this was being enhanced by all the meds he was on. Yeah. Whereas the meds I'm taking are are trying to help that, you know, and they do a really good job of helping that situation. So it it's such a such a sad sad situation and we have to continue to pray about that. But I think that also leads us into a little bit of understanding because often people want to say that um mental illness automatically is demonic possession. And I think we you, have to, you be hear this a lot in certain circles yeah. to outside of the Catholic church, but um, yeah. And, and it really, it's not the case. I, I don't, I don't we, think that that's appropriate. Right. If, if we look at that as demonic possession in every case, my goodness, 
the devil. We know the devil's everywhere, right. but but holy cow! Yeah, he's he's in. He has more power than we could ever imagine. And, right. I mean, he does have a lot of power, but the thing is, is that um, Christ makes it very clear that there's a difference between demonic possession and illness, and uh, the two places that I would point to in scripture and other people have as well is first off mark uh chapter 6 verse 13 and it's talking about when christ sends out his apostles um to preach and to cure and it says here in mark 6 13 they drove out many demons and and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. There's a difference there, right? And even in the original language, which I'm not going to try to go to, but um, better scholars than me have pointed out that there is a difference there, that it's not one and the same. The Bible, and this is everywhere in the Bible, if it talks about something and has an and in it, usually it's talking about two things. Yeah. It's, it's It's not saying that they drove out demons and also anointed them with oil. No, it, they're differentiating yeah. the two here. And yeah, you see you see this all throughout the Bible is, is they're they're always talking a lot of times they're talking about two things. And a lot of people confuse that with they're just it's all demons. And that's right. why everyone says, "Oh, well, if you read the Bible, everyone was possessed back then." Right. Well, n- not no, true. no, not if you actually read this. Well, and it goes on further because um it, later on in the Gospel of Mark, this place, the second place that I want to point out, and I'm sure there's other places that we could find this in the Gospels especially, but in Mark 9, uh, Jesus once again is talking um, with the man whose uh, child is having seizures. Okay, so convulsions is what they're saying, convulsions, and being thrown into convulsions by the demons, and it's a mute, deaf spirit, and... Um, what happens is, is Christ comes into the situation and his apostles are trying their hardest to um, get rid of this demon and get rid of, they first tried curing him, then they tried casting out the demon. And what does Christ come in uh, to the picture? And his apostles say to him, when they entered the house, his disciples asked him in private, why could we not drive it out? And his response is very simple. He said to them, this kind can only come out through prayer. So, I mean, you know, you can take as many meds as you want. You can get all the anointings and all the healings, but this one, this one's going to have to come out through prayer, which is different, which is different than, you know, okay, you go home, you have a headache, you take some Tylenol, um, and there goes the headache. Well, you know, that's, that's not at all what they're talking about here. So I think those are two perfect examples in scripture indicating that there is a difference between demonic possession and illness in general. And we have to pay attention to that because we can't automatically equate all mental illness with possession. Right. Sometimes, and majority of the time that you see someone is suffering with um, mental illness, uh, or excuse me, when you see someone who is suffering from a demonic possession, which can happen, um, a lot of their symptoms will look like uh, mental illness, but that doesn't automatically mean that it is a mental illness or it is a demonic possession. You can't equate the two. Right. I mean, an exorcist isn't going to just go over to anyone who says that there's a demon in that person and just exorcise it. There's a a lot about that. There's there's basically, they have to roll out. Yeah. 
mental illness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I- Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, uh, uh, whoever the exorcist is would go through the process, um, with the help, uh, through the, uh, assistance with the bishop. Cause the bit, remember the bishop's one in charge of all this, but with the office of the bishop and with their skills and their study, um, would determine if this is truly a case of possession or mental illness. So it, it's not, you can't equate one to the other immediately, but um, they kind of look similar, if that makes any sense. So you have you have all these situations. And so the biggest thing with mental illness that I think drives me nuts is this stigma. And, and we keep talking about this stigma. Um, and it's something that I think we all need to focus on. Um, Someone's not a bad person if they have mental illness. Of course not. Just like, um, you know, if someone is suffering from a disease like cancer, that doesn't make them automatically a bad person. Right. God doesn't look at them different because they're ill. Right. So why would we? Right. And I think that's one thing that we need to focus on is that, you know, it's it's an old adage of God loves everybody, so we have to love them too. But uh in this situation, I think it's really important to pay attention to that because we shouldn't be treating someone different just because, you know, they're sick. We need to be giving them the same love, same affection as we always would. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it's not fair to say to the person who's sick, oh, just get over it. You know, oh, you hear that all the time, all the time, especially with depression. Yeah. Oh, just get over it. Oh, you're such a baby. Oh, you're, you're a crybaby. Oh, yeah. you're just, or the addiction. Just, just quit cold turkey. Just, yeah. you can do it. Yeah. Well, some people can, but not, not everybody. everybody. Some people really have need a lot of help. So take that first step. You know what? If, if you feel that you need help, talk to someone, find someone that you trust, find a friend that you trust that you know will listen and talk to them go out of your way to do something. Yeah, I think a support system is huge yeah. in this. You you need you need someone who can rally around you. Um I mean, that helps in every aspect of your life. I mean, it helps in your marriage, it helps everything. If as long as you have, you need someone who's on your team who's going to help you out. And and that doesn't stop when it comes to mental illness. And be willing to talk about it. Be willing to talk about it. It might take some time. You know, going back to our conversation, excuse me, our conversation on um, spiritual direction, um, spiritual direction and psychological counseling are not the same thing. And and they never should be. They can have some effects on one or the other, you know, but in the same breath, a good spiritual director will know when it needs to go to another person. And maybe you're lucky, like I am, like my spiritual director is a uh, psychologist or psychiatrist, psychologist. I don't remember the difference. I'm bad at that. But he he is licensed in that. Point is that he can he can bridge those two gaps. Thank God, because I need that. But um, if if you're spiritual director like me, I no, I when I know it's in above my head, that's when I say, okay, I think it's time that you call up Catholic charities and get a hold of someone who's going to be able to help you with this because it's above my pay grade. And it's not just because I don't want to do it. It's because it's not safe for me to do that. So, so here's my experience. You mentioned, you know, it it can take some time before you're willing to even talk about it. I didn't even tell my wife that I was having issues until probably three years after I left the fire service. Yeah. And which was kind of recently, really. And it wasn't until I tried to like, my life was trying to normalize. Because when when you're in that all the time, it's, 
you know, you, like I said, you suppress it. But as soon as you start to normalize into regular life, real life, normal life, uh, is when you, those things start to kind of haunt you. At least it happened to me. So, and, and again, I'm still not ready to talk to anybody about it. Yeah. I'm just not. I just, I don't care to. Right. I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not having the issues that I did, you know, three years ago. Sure. Or, or two years ago, sure. really. Um, but, uh, you know, I ask you a question. Did you, how long did it take you before you, mentioned anything um i realized that there was a problem and this is like this is the dumbest thing but in the moment you don't you can't you can't function right um i had spent you know i went to cathedral prep for high school i learned how to write papers i had to write papers in grad school or in um undergrad and then finally i get to grad school and i have to write a paper and i it shouldn't be that big of a deal but it, it wasn't just any paper. It had this big, funny word in front of it. It was called an exegesis paper. And I thought I understood it, but I didn't. And the point was, is that I found myself one day curled up in the fetal position, screaming into a pillow in hysteria because I can't figure out how to write this paper. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I should have been able to just write this paper. And I realized at that moment, something is not right. And so, you know, I reached out to um, my spiritual director. My spiritual director at the time was a different priest than I see now. He told me I probably should talk to this other person. And I talked to my mom and um, we started talking with the doctors and things like that about it. And it's just kind of like out of nowhere, like that doesn't make any sense. Looking on it now, thinking about it now, in retrospect, why was I freaking out over a paper? And yet it was... That, that seemed to be just the tipping point of my first semester of grad school that I realized that there was just something wrong. Hmm. And so dealing with that and going through it, but I will never forget numerous times while dealing with it, there was that stigma of like, oh, he's, he's not well. We, we can't talk to him about this. We can't, we can't ask him to do that. It's just going to put him over the edge. When it wasn't true at all, it just hurt me more because right. like, I'm trying to just be a normal person and go through my life, but um, here they are making these judgments and accusations. It just wasn't true. So it was in that moment that I realized this, this is ridiculous. <laughs> the way I'm dealing with this and coping with this is ridiculous, and I need to do something about it. And that's when I realized that something had to change. Hmm. So it, it's going to change for every person when yeah. they realize it. Right. Um, I, not everybody... Uh, needs the therapeutic counseling, but every single person needs someone that they can talk to, right? That's the biggest thing. Uh, and just having that ability to reach out and talk to someone, everybody has emotions, everybody has feelings, but the question is, is who runs their life and who runs each individual's life with, with severe anxiety, with severe depression, with severe anything, you know, OCD, PTSD, any of that, with any of it, and it doesn't have to be super severe because severity levels are different for each person. But um, without the proper assistance, it can be impossible or seem impossible for someone to change. But it is still, once you get that help, you know, but every anybody that suffers from something, if even if it's minor, like you were saying, minor with um, PTSD, it's nothing major. You don't need to go to a doctor for it, but just being able to have someone to reach out every so often and yeah, talk. Yeah, when you're having a bad day or whatever it is, yeah. Just recognizing that, okay, I am feeling 
this way. I am feeling anxious. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling worried. Whatever that might be, recognizing that it's a feeling and it's not who you are, right? And so we're called to remember that we are the beloved child of the eternal father. And that's who we are. That's our identity. We are the beloved, beloved child of the eternal father. So recognizing that um, we're not alone, that we're in this together, having a way to communicate with others so that we can get over this, and then um, taking that next step, taking that next step. And let's not forget, you know, offering it to Christ, offering it to God in prayer. You know, your prayer life, sometimes the things that really hurt us or really bug us, if we just turn to Christ and give it to him, you feel a sense of relief. It doesn't yeah. happen all the time. And yeah. sometimes it's a sense of relief for a minute or two, but that minute or two is, you're going to cherish that. Right. And so let's let's not forget, because we turn to God all the time when we want something. Right. Uh, or we always pray for someone who is in the hospital or who right. got hurt traumatically, but why not pray for those with the mental health, with yeah. mental health issues as well? Yeah. Uh, it, it, Cause it's the same, it's the same thing. You're, these people are hurt. They need help. So pray for others that, you know, who have, who are suffering with these things. Pray for yourself. Yeah. Cause as you mentioned, we all have emotions Yeah, and we're going to go through times in our lives that we're going to feel depressed because of something major that happened. It could be someone who passed away that was very close to you. Uh, it could be loss of a job. Uh, it could be something as simple as your football team losing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, there are so many things that can trigger feeling de- that de- feeling depression. And so if you turn to Christ, that in my, it helps me. It does. And it can. And, you know, maybe, like I said, in um, lesser cases of where severity of dealing with these situations, it's a lot easier to turn that mm-hmm. over. In moments when you're just realizing you're screaming into a pillow about writing a paper, like sometimes that is just so ridiculous, you got to right. talk that out. Sure. But if you're dealing with um, situations, it's no matter what it is, no matter what it is, even people that are facing cancer, even people I was that- gonna, yeah, I was just going to say, the people who like who bear that witness, who have, who have you know- the worst they're they're on their deathbed yeah because of cancer and their life if you look at it from the outside it has to be horrible sure i would hate to be that person yet you see the joy in their eyes yeah. because they know that god is there with them and they're offering everything to them that is probably like i love to see that sure as much as i hate to see the person suffering uh, you know it's i wish that i could have that where i just have that joy and the and the pain that in suffering that whatever I have, I still have joy because Christ is in my life. And you can do the same thing with mental illness. Absolutely. Turn to Christ, offer everything to him and take joy in your suffering. Right. And just like that person with cancer, they're doing everything they can medically. Yeah. They're doing everything they can medically, but in the same breath, they're also, also turning it over to Christ. Right. God gives us life. Isn't fair. Amen. Things happen, and we can't explain exactly why bad things happen to people. But if you know, if if you turn, if you just turn away from God and say, "I hate you because you gave this to me," or "I hate you because you gave cancer to my my wife," or whatever it is, yeah, you know, that's that's not the right way to go about it. No, um, God tests us in a lot of ways. Yes, and 
he has a plan for us. And if we embrace our suffering and find the joy in it somehow to offer it up to Christ, um, you know, that's the best way you can suffer. It really is. Yeah. And so, like we said, we all are, we all are experiencing life. We all are experiencing, um, parts of our lives that we don't want to, but there is a way through it. First of all, as Christians, as Catholics, we go before Christ, we offer everything to him. The other thing is, is that always having that line open to talking with someone, always being willing, not only to share your um, experiences, but also uh, being able to be someone that can listen to others experiencing it. You know, one of the things that I think that helps me, yes, I quote unquote suffer, which I don't really see as um, a negative thing, but I, you know, we can say I suffer from mental illness or whatever you want to say. But I also notice that then that helps me other with other people who come into the confessional or who come just needing to talk to someone. I can then, ex, you know, with through my experience, you can relate to them. relate to them to help them through it. I didn't think of that, and, yeah. And to think that we look at our priests who have mental health issues as a very bad thing. You have that experience that you can recognize these things and to be able to point people in the right direction. Exactly. So, you know, even people say this all the time, you know, like when you're dealing with a situation, for instance, if you're dealing with alcohol and dealing with an addiction or dealing with um, uh, drugs, sex, anything that you can have an addiction to, when you go to those support groups, the reason why they work so well is because it's someone else is going through it at the same time as Mm -hmm. you. And you can offer each other that um, experiential Uh, support. So being able to seek out the support system is important. And then another wonderful thing is finding a patron saint. You know what? My patron saint that I I pray to, uh, numerous ones, you know, uh, John Paul II, um, Padre Pio, but the one that I focus on the most is um, Saint Philomena. And I'll, you can look her up and get more information on that because I could talk, we should, you know, could probably do a whole episode on her. But the point is, is that uh, St. Philomena, and I think it was through her intercession that got me through seminary because seminary wasn't always that easy. So it was through her intercession that got me through seminary. She's a patron saint of those who suffer from uh, hopeless causes, uh, mental illness, uh, patron saint of priests, patron saint of seminarians, patron saint of the unemployed, the underemployed, the sick, um, you know, just a whole bunch of things, but her intercession is is very, very strong. Um, Philomena is a spectacular saint with this. So finding a patron saint that you can connect to and that you can pray with um, can truly help not only you, but all those around you as well. So finding a patron saint, and uh, there's there's a great list of them, and we'll provide a one list, but it's pretty easy. And uh, if you uh, find, um, oh my gosh, now I'm going to forget her name, a Catholic radio host, um, she has a patron saint picker. It's a generator, and I'll find oh, yeah? it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So we'll include that too. But, you know, continue to talk about it. And one of the thing, one of the last things I think we'll say is, Remember, you are not alone. If you're feeling any of this, if you're suffering with any of this, you are not alone. Um, if you need help, there is confidential help available for free. 
and it's listed under the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, but they do more than just dealing with suicide. They do with a whole bunch of things. So if you need help and you're within the United States and Canada, there's a 1-800 number you can call. And if you're outside of the United States and Canada, it's easy. Just Google it. It'll come up right away. But if you need help, it's 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, I didn't call it for myself. I called it just to see what would happen when you called. And honestly, they are some of the nicest people there. You know, they go out of their way to help you with whatever they can. And uh, I said to them very clearly, hey, you know, I'm a Catholic priest. Um, I have your phone number listed here and I wanted, I want to be able to test it before I start giving it out. And they said, that's wonderful. We're glad you do that. So if you're a professional listening to this and you have never called this number, I want you to call today. I want you to call sometime in this next few days of you listening to this podcast because it's important that you understand what's going to happen when you send someone to get the help, right? And so, you know, that's why I always say I go to I go to counseling and spiritual direction. I know what this feels like. I can understand it. I would never send someone to do something I wouldn't do myself. So, if you've never called and you're a professional and you have recommended this number before, I want you to call and tell them that you're a professional and the reason why you're calling is that you want to know exactly what happens when someone calls because I think it's a great testament to be able to say, yeah, I've called it and I understand it. That's cool. I didn't, I would have thought it's like dialing 911 when you don't actually need it. Yeah. And that's not a good thing to do, but I'm glad you did that. And yeah. That's a good experience and they were welcoming and they, you know, they liked you doing that. Yeah. Good. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, you got anything else, Father Andy? Don't beat yourself up. No. No, never do that. Never do that. We we love you. You are loved. You are not alone. Um, and that, uh, you know what? We can overcome this together. We will get over whatever illness we have. And that leads me to, you said, we love you. Yeah. And we do. And we would love you even more <laughs> if you subscribe to our channel. Lovely. On... On the Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, Google Podcasts, Android Podcasts, whatever they're called, Spotify. Yeah. Leave a review. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Give us a phone call on our website. You can get the phone number. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, you have to go to the website for the phone number because we can never remember it. No. We're going to be on YouTube soon. Yeah. I promise. We, we promise this uh, for our New Year's episode as our... I guess, resolution that we will be on YouTube. We're going to be on video. We're going to have live video. We're in the process of setting up the studio to to be good for video. Lighting is the biggest thing. Yeah. And uh, we're kind of working on that right now. And I'm hoping within the next couple of months, hopefully less than a couple of months, maybe a couple of weeks, we'll have something for you guys. So um, I think that's it for tonight. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. Uh, God bless you, everybody. And, uh, you know, as Father Andy mentioned, if, uh, if you need help, reach out for it, really, and turn to Christ for all the problems in your life. You know, even if, you know, the good things and the bad. Thank you for the good things and also thank you for the bad things, but, uh, uh, but, but ask him for your help, just like you'd ask for anybody else for help if you needed it. All right, I've said enough. Peace. See ya. See ya.